Full Scope, Human Longevity and Performance Podcast. We want you to become the most exceptional, high-performing version of yourself. And to facilitate this, we are giving away the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook absolutely free. This is a tremendous resource that will tell you the lifestyle behaviors and mindset that will lead to the best outcomes and longevity. To get this, go to our website, wondermedicine.com or fullscope.org, put in your email, and we will send you this amazing resource, the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook. Welcome back to Full Scope, everybody. I am so sorry that it has been so long since I've put an episode out. My wonderful wife, Carly, and I have been blessed with our second baby boy. We've been enjoying watching him grow and change over the last couple months, and of course sleeping less than ever. But we're back, and I'm so excited today to talk to you about the most important topic in medicine right now, the great killer of our time, that is metabolic syndrome. But before we get started, my goal for the next set of podcasts is to keep them much shorter. My goal is to do podcasts that are 10 minutes long and absolutely less than 20 minutes. We'll see what I can do. I'm going to try and focus on the most relevant information because I know how valuable all of your time is. Boo! Today we're going to talk about what metabolic syndrome is, what the signs of metabolic syndrome are or how it is diagnosed. We're then going to cover why we care so much about metabolic syndrome and in particular, what metabolic syndrome puts people at risk for having. Spoiler alert, heart attack, strokes, and cancer. And then we're going to talk about how to treat or improve metabolic syndrome. Okay, so metabolic syndrome, MET-S, or syndrome X as some people call it. What actually is this? Well, it's a problem with your metabolism. You can think of your body like a factory. Imagine a factory where all the machines are working, the electricity is working, the plumbing's working. That factory can put out products. It can do the things it needs to do to get things done. Now, imagine if that factory has a few machines that are broken. What will happen is that certain parts of the production line will be slowed down. Things will stop working, and areas may even grind to a halt at times. This will greatly limit production and efficiency overall. Imagine other scenarios, like say for instance the lights don't work or the plumbing doesn't work. All of these things could lead to a factory that is not functioning optimally. Well, the human body is actually this very complicated and elegant, beautiful factory. At all times, our bodies are producing energy. Our bodies are building things that we use as structural components. Our bodies are breaking down and getting rid of, of toxins and metabolites and other bad things. All of these processes, from building energy to, to breaking down things, to building up things, even to sending information signals up and down our nerves relies on our metabolism 
and somebody with metabolic syndrome has a deranged metabolism. Their metabolism is broken such that they cannot produce energy as well as they should. They can't build the things they need. They can't get rid of the things they need to get out of their bodies. And this causes a lot of problems. There are essentially four cardinal signs that we use to recognize and diagnose metabolic syndrome. They fall into four main buckets, and then I can kind of dive into what we actually look at for those things. Bucket number one is insulin resistance. Bucket number two are cholesterol derangements. Bucket number three is enlarged waistline or increased visceral fat and total body fat. And bu bucket number four is high blood pressure. Now, these certainly aren't the only signs and symptoms, but they're things we commonly measure in medicine. And for that reason, we can pick up on these things. Now, let's go through these things one by one because they're very important. The first thing is insulin resistance. Now, this is thought to be perhaps the hallmark of metabolic syndrome. Insulin is actually this hormone that gives our bodies a lot of signals. Um, one of the signals insulin gives our bodies is I'm hungry. Another signal is put on fat. It's actually a powerful growth hormone. And as our bodies become resistant to insulin, we start to make more and more of it. And you can imagine that people probably aren't going to want their body <laughs> screaming at them, I'm hungry, and telling them to put on more fat. And so the ways we look at this, um, kind of at the, the tail end or the far end after disease has gotten very severe, is a hemoglobin A1c. This is a laboratory that looks at how many sugar molecules are stuck to hemoglobin in our red blood cells. And we basically define diabetes as having an A1c over 6.5%. And we define prediabetes as having an A1C above 5.7. But really anyone getting up into the 5.55 and definitely 5.6 range is probably showing some signs of insulin resistance. Now, like I said, this is a late marker of insulin resistance. This is far down the road because actually the body is really good at compensating for high blood sugar by raising insulin for a very long time before we start to see a change in A1C. It might take years, even decades of high blood sugar and high insulin before A1C starts to actually move upwards. And so by looking at another laboratory, a fasting insulin, you can get more insight as well. If, if fasting insulin is elevated, that is a sign that some insulin resistance, resistance could be going on as well. Another thing we look at is a fasting blood glucose, and another test is a glucose tolerance test. All of those things are different ways to potentially look at insulin resistance as a possible sign of metabolic disease, and maybe the hallmark sign. Number two, as we said, was cholesterol derangements. There's different ways that people look at this, but two of the most common ways um, I've seen from, from bodies uh, like, you know, the American Heart Association, the NIH, um, European agencies, Canadian agencies, is to look at HDL cholesterol, which is widely considered to be a healthy, a very healthy type of cholesterol. And HDL cholesterols that are low, for, for men less than 40 and for women less than 50 milligrams per deciliter, that's typically thought to be a sign of metabolic syndrome. Another thing we look at is the cholesterol to HDL ratio. 
Um, this is a really telling marker for overall cholesterol health, and if that number is greater than 4, that's usually a problem. And then the final marker is triglycerides. Triglycerides over 150 milligrams per deciliter is a, a sign of metabolic syndrome. The next thing, or the next sign of metabolic syndrome, is an enlarged waistline, or just being overweight or, or obese. But really, the visceral fat, so the fat that is around your organs inside your belly, are the most important, uh, the most important fat when looking at metabolic syndrome. And so waistline has proved to be a really nice way to look at that. DEXA is, of course, a, a probably a gold standard way to look at visceral fat. And there's other things we look at, like just body weight, BMI, but those are, are more prone to error. So enlarged waistline is usually what we use in the absence of more sophisticated technology to look at um, visceral, uh, visceral fat. The final thing that we use... Uh, as a sign to diagnose metabolic syndrome is high blood pressure. And typically anything over 130 systolic or 85 diastolic is high. Now, because so many people have metabolic syndrome these days, most everyone's walking around with a blood pressure of one, you know over 130, and it's kind of becoming normalized in a way. And that is not such a good thing. It is not so good that we are normalizing high blood pressure we are normalizing being overweight. It, it just leads to bad health outcomes, which we're going to discuss. And, and we should look at these things as the problem that they actually are. Okay, so again, insulin resistance, as measured by A1C, fasting insulin, fasting blood glucose or glucose tolerance test, cholesterol derangements, as measured by low HDL cholesterol, elevated triglycerides or a high cholesterol to HDL ratio, obesity or enlarged waistline as, me as measured by waist to hip ratio or visceral fat on a DEXA scan, and then high blood pressure as measured by systolic and diastolic blood pressure are all signs of metabolic syndrome. And now keep in mind, these things are not causing metabolic syndrome. It is just the opposite. Metabolic syndrome is causing them. You do not have metabolic syndrome because you are obese. Your obesity is caused by your metabolic syndrome. Now, different bodies will will recommend different ways of diagnosing metabolic syndrome. But in general, if you have two or three of these things, of these two or three of these four things, you will meet criteria for metabolic syndrome. And even if you have just one of these things, you are probably on the road to metabolic syndrome. I have looked at a lot of different epidemiology on the subject of metabolic syndrome, and right now the numbers are absolutely daunting. It's thought that over 50% of United States adults now have metabolic syndrome. Wow. Wow. 50% of United States adults. And another 30 to 40% probably have at least one sign, which means 90% of us are, are on the spectrum or have metabolic syndrome. And I will tell you that that is consistent with what I have seen in my patients. And I measure this stuff diligently because it is probably the most important thing 
to keep an eye on if you are a doctor in a developed country in 2023. Okay, what are other symptoms that metabolic symptom, syn- syndrome will cause? Well, things like fatigue, things like brain fog. How many patients have come into your office and said, Doctor, I'm just so tired, I'm so tired, and you struggle to, to work up any reason for it? Well, look into metabolic syndrome, because if you can't make energy, you're going to be fatigued. Brain fog, I just can't think, my thoughts aren't clear. Listen, if you don't have a healthy metabolism, you can't make neurotransmitters, you can't send action potentials, your thoughts, your nerves, your brain isn't going to work that great. Things like mental health problems like depression and anxiety. Beautifully, if you treat metabolic syndrome, depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues get so much better. Depression and anxiety are signs of, of a brain that is not working optimally. And and some people just have depression and anxiety outside of metabolic syndrome, but I can tell you that metabolic syndrome almost always makes these things worse. Generalized information. I check a high-sensitivity CRP on everybody in my clinic, and I can tell you that people with metabolic syndrome have more inflammation, and of course that's linked to cardiovascular disease, which we'll talk about in a second. Gut problems, irritable bowel syndrome. It is very common to find metabolic syndrome in the setting of irritable bowel syndrome. Another huge thing is hormone imbalances. Now, if you're if you're having metabolic syndrome, it means you can't build the hormones that you need to function optimally. In my clinical practice, I have several men with pretty profound metabolic syndrome that have very low testosterone, not because something is wrong with their testes, but because something is deeply wrong with their metabolism. And honestly, these other symptoms, uh, fatigue, brain fog, mental health problems, generalized inflammation, pain and discomfort, bowel issues, and hormone imbalances are just some of the many symptoms that get worse with metabolic syndrome. What's up, Full Scope listeners? If you are enjoying this content, if this content is bringing you value, please share it with your friends, loved ones, and everyone else. Post it online, on social media. Let your friends know. Have them subscribe. Put the word out there. That's all we really ask. And at the very least, give us a review and rate the podcast. Thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Pew! When people have metabolic syndrome, they put themselves at risk for developing a number of chronic diseases, many of which are on the top 10 list for leading causes of death worldwide and in the United States. Some of these other things that metabolic syndrome can lead to or increase your risk of developing are things like diabetes, heart disease and heart attacks, blood vessel disease and strokes, fatty liver, liver failure and kidney failure, obstructive sleep apnea, autoimmune diseases like polycystic ovarian syndrome, various types of cancers, and even death. And so metabolic syndrome is actually one of the root causes, 
or driving forces that lead people to develop things like heart disease, the leading cause of death, cancer, the second leading cause of death, and many other chronic medical issues. And this is why I'm referring to metabolic syndrome as the great killer of our time. If you want to live longer, if you want to avoid chronic disease, if you want to spend the last decade or two of your life doing the things that you want and living a happy, healthy, fulfilling life, you really should take action against metabolic syndrome now because by improving metabolic syndrome, you can greatly reduce your risk of some of the biggest killers on the block. Boom! Okay, I want to jump into why metabolic syndrome is having such a insane rise in prevalence in our current society. I would guess that if you looked back a hundred years ago and you looked at a hundred people, only a handful would have evidence of metabolic syndrome. But as we said, in today's modern developed countries, we're looking at 70, 80, possibly even 90% of people having some sign of metabolic derangement. So let's talk about some of the causes or why this is, this is becoming such a problem. I think number one on the list is probably our food. And the problem is, is that 60% or more of the, the American diet is what is called ultra-processed food. So this is essentially food that has been substantially altered in a laboratory setting. Um, and usually things like removing fiber, adding sugar and salt, and preservatives and other chemicals are performed. And these are done to, number one, make them extremely palatable, make them essentially addictive, and also to preserve their shelf life so that you can put these these foods, or, or fake foods, I should say, on the shelf, and they will still be there in their same form years and sometimes even decades later. And so eating real food is a great way, a great first step to getting metabolic syndrome under control. Along with that are sugar-sweetened beverages. These include things like soda or pop, but also various juices, even including fruit juice. Sugar in water raises blood sugar extremely quickly, which spikes insulin, which causes a lot of problems. I have a lot of patients that have just removed sugar-sweetened beverages from their diet, and a bunch of their metabolic issues have resolved in a matter of months. And so that's another powerful thing. Um, our sugar addiction as a whole is just absolutely insane. And it starts as a kid. You know, who wants Cocoa Puffs? Who wants Fruit Loops? Who wants Captain Crunch? It's time for a treat. There is literally sugar in all foods, and especially foods marketed to kids. Pro tip, parents, don't buy any foods marketed to children. <laughs> they are usually always bad news. And so food, and more specifically fake food and sugar, are a huge driver of metabolic syndrome. Another driver of metabolic syndrome, probably number two on the list, is sedentary lifestyle. We are just not moving. One, we're sitting constantly. 
So we're not walking around, we're not moving, we're not doing things during the day. Two, we're not doing any structured exercise like zone two cardio or really high intensity cardio or strength training. And by doing those things, and especially strength training, you can really improve your metabolism. One of the things I try to get people to do first when they're suffering from metabolic syndrome is to get them lifting weights or doing other strength training because I know that can greatly improve their muscle's metabolism and its sensitivity to glucose and insulin. The next big thing is sleep. People who don't get adequate sleep will develop metabolic syndrome. I talked about a study in the sleep episodes where they took like young, healthy 20-year-olds, subjected them to five hours of sleep for about a week, and all of them developed insulin resistance in a very short amount of time. So getting good sleep is really important. Another big issue is stress. Our society is just filled with little stressors all over the place. And these are things that didn't exist prior to the modern world. You know, I think in prehistory, things that would stress us out were were kind of near-death events or, or starvation or things like that. Now we are having these cortisol spikes from all types of minor things all throughout the day. I forgot to send that email. I forgot to call that person. I need to get this done, etc., etc., etc. And those cortisol spikes actually lead to um, the production of sugar. Cortisol actually stimulates um, the production of glucose, which then spikes insulin and can get into the, the, the death spiral. Another thing I want to mention is negative thought patterns. Um, I think negative thought patterns are, are basically drivers of stress. And so people that are constantly in this negative headspace constantly have little stress pingers, pingers which kind of raises cortisol, raises sugar, raises insulin, gets you in that spiral. The next thing is environmental toxins, and this is a really sad, unfortunate thing. There are th hundreds of thousands of novel chemicals now in our environment that didn't exist prior to the Industrial Revolution, and many of them can sort of place themselves within our enzymatic metabolic pathways, and they are truly gunking things up. Some of these chemicals are literally present in, in, in food and in especially ultra-processed food. One good reason to get rid of that stuff, but they're also just all around. It's really sad. Many of these chemicals are, um, have, have been linked to um, insulin resistance, problems with hormones, problems with other metabolic pathways. And so try and keep your world as clean as possible. It's not easy these days, but I, I think chemicals in our environment really are making metabolic syndrome worse. There are many other things, many other strategies to do, uh, but in large part, if you want to improve metabolic syndrome, you know, it's as simple as this. Eat real food, don't eat to excess, move, exercise vigorously, get good sleep, and use good stress reduction tactics so that your body can handle the stresses of life which are absolutely unavoidable. You know, it, it, you obviously can't just tell a patient, you know, just eat less, move more, and, and you'll be fine. But in the simplest form, that really is pretty good advice for metabolic syndrome. Let's get moving people. Let's reduce the amount of food we're eating. And when we do eat food, let's make it real healthy food to really get the maximum nutrients and the minimal amount of toxins and other crap that's present in our food. All right, that is some information about metabolic syndrome. 
I guess I also should mention pharmaceutical medications as well. We have a number of medications that lower cholesterol, in, in, in particular atherogenic, uh, apolipoprotein B um, cholesterol particles. We have a number of medications that lower blood pressure, that improve insulin resistance. All of these medications can be extremely helpful in metabolic syndrome as they will lower risk of bad things happening in the future. And I use all of them along with lifestyle practices in my clinical practice currently. A lot of people get turned off by medications. Um, they don't want to start them. They say, I'd like to, to pursue lifestyle changes. And I think pursuing lifestyle changes is a must. And in fact, I'd rather somebody start a vigorous exercise program than start any medication given the choice. But I think it's really good to do both because when you do change your lifestyle, it really takes months to even years to to get on top of metabolic syndrome. And, and while you're making those changes, it's not necessarily the best idea to subject yourself to the risk of having high blood pressure and making your heart work against that pressure, which could, could eventually lead to heart remodeling and put you at risk for vascular disease and other problems. It's not good to live with a very high cholesterol and let that form atherosclerotic plaques on your blood vessels while you take several years to improve your metabolism. And what I will say is, is most people unfortunately tend to um, fail when they try lifestyle changes. They tend to relapse and, and improve and relapse again, very similar to somebody trying to get off of a substance. And so while, while people are trying to work through the difficult task of changing their thoughts and behaviors, I think a little bit of medication can be helpful as well. But truly, the lifestyle changes are the cure and the solution to the problem. Okay, metabolic syndrome. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, everybody, and bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Full Scope Podcast and investing in your health. I'm Dr. Bill Rannenberg. If you're enjoying the content, please rate, review, and share this content with all of your friends online and all your social media platforms. Please understand that this podcast is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure your specific medical condition. This podcast does not create any type of doctor-patient relationship between myself, Dr. Brandenburg, and you, the listener. If you do need help with your life, with your health, with anything regarding your longevity or performance, please check out wondermedicine.com. Our longevity and performance program is the best in the world and is ready to help you right now, today, become the best possible individual you can be. Thanks. Bye-bye. Pew!